I mean, I have my own personal feelings about fidelity, but again, those are strictly personal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I believe in it for myself. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that if you decide to, to marry somebody and you love somebody and you want to spend your, your time with them, I don't get any, I don't understand the point of, of, of you know, having affairs. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It, 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 it's absolutely, I fail to grasp the, the, the benefits of it, you know. After the shocking end of her marriage to Robert Wagner, Natalie Wood met and quickly married film producer Richard Gregson in 1969. By 1970, the couple had welcomed their first child, Natasha Gregson, to their family. Lana, Natalie's sister, recalls. When she married Richard Gregson, she assumed that would be for the rest of her life. She had, you know, met her mate and built her home and... um, would have her children and have the life that she felt she did not have as a child. Gregson, Gregson just fell right in. He fell right into the parties at her house and going places and doing things. Um, He was very different from most everyone. He was more willing to show his feelings than Facade. He, he was not facade. So he didn't hide anything he was feeling. Um, he would get mad at me. He would get mad at Natalie. He would, get, he would you know, be happy. He would loved his kids. He, he had a lot of his friends coming to the house. Yeah, he just, he fell right in and he moved into Natalie's house so that Natalie could keep that same house, which she really loved, to raise Natasha in. Hello and welcome to Chapter 5 of Fatal Voyage, the mysterious death of Natalie Wood. I'm your host, Dylan Howard. In this chapter, we will examine how Natalie's search for a fairy tale ending would for a time bring her intense joy, but ultimately lead her back into the arms of her first true obsession, the man who would later become a person of interest in her death. But for now, let's examine that period of time when Natalie had seemingly found happiness. She had a family and stability. During much of this time, Ginger Blimer, her longtime hairdresser and close friend, watched Natalie blossom as a mother. Natalie was so happy to have Natasha. And I remember she brought her to work and I played with Natasha all the time. She was fun. And, uh, but there was a funny thing about Natalie. You always kind of like to make her important. So I, I didn't want her to get jealous, you know, in case I was spending too much time with the baby. And I, I never I never felt that from her, but I was always careful. But I just loved Natasha. And I, she, would, she loved having her in the dressing room and keeping her around. I mean, she was so happy when she had her family. Unfortunately, much like Natalie's first attempt at happiness, her second marriage also came to an abrupt end. She thought she was on the road to her fairy tale, but it didn't happen. Natalie found her husband cheating. So it was like the first time all over again. First husband, second husband. Bizarre. Um, I think it was difficult for her to come to terms with the frailties of people because perhaps she didn't want to look at hers. 
Many have speculated that Natalie too had been guilty of having affairs, starting with Warren Beatty on the set of Splendour in the Grass. But to hear Natalie tell it, adultery was something she simply could not tolerate. Uh, when Natalie asked Richard to leave and said she was going to file for divorce, she also had uh, security. She did not want him to come back onto the property. She stayed in her house and um, just told him to leave. For the first time, I considered in horror the possibility that I might join the sad parade of famous movie ladies who would end up lonely after many divorces, clinging to yellowed scrapbooks and memories of faded romances. Just a few short months after leaving her second husband, Lana was invited over to Natalie's house. She called and she said, can you come to dinner, whatever it was, Wednesday night? And I said, sure, what time? 7.30. Um, And then suddenly my mom called me and said, Natalie called us and we're going to dinner. And I said, you are? I said, okay, I'll see you guys there then. And so it was the three of us, her, you know, her entire family. And um, RJ stepped out from the dining room and Natalie said, I want to announce that RJ and I are getting back together again, going to remarry. Everybody was shocked. I pulled her aside and I said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And she gave me that other old saying, sometimes it's better to be with the devil you know than the devil you don't. We had broken up, gotten older, RJ remarried. The external trappings of our lives changed, but I believe that those changes don't in any real sense make you a different person, and to deny the validity of my feelings about someone a long time ago would be for me to deny that I existed. And I still don't accept that, because I would have probably felt better if she'd said, I've missed him horribly, he is the man I want to be with, I'm madly in love, any of those things, but not the devil you know and the devil you don't. That's how you describe a relationship? The hell was she doing it for? It still upsets me. I just don't understand. To Lana, it seemed as though her sister had decided to settle, to go back to RJ rather than risk loneliness. But was that really the case? To hear Natalie publicly describe her and RJ's renewed coupling, she had done anything but. Here's an excerpt we discovered from a long-lost interview with Natalie. I mean, we we, we happened to bump into each other under under, under, um, circumstances where we we went to somebody's house and didn't realise the other person was going to be there. And um, we hadn't seen each other, really, for... I mean, maybe from afar we would see each other at a big social gathering, but other than that, we had. So this is the only evening where we really did begin to talk and all that. And I think we both felt very. I mean, I know that we did because now we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Very attracted and very bad and very bittersweet and very, you know, terrible. I mean, we both went home and had an incredible emotional reaction. Yeah, I know. I mean, really, I guess it's good stop thinking about it because it's such a, it's such a, well, it's a scary thing, I guess. Oh, it is. It's awful because you know, then we think to ourselves, having had that experience, 
but thinking, both going home to our separate homes and, and, and continuing with our lives and never thinking. But realizing that, I didn't realize that RJ was having that same emotional reaction. And he never realized that I was, you know, so the luck that we were able to get together and be able to tell each other that we both felt that way, you know, it's pretty, I don't know what the odds are on that one. My father said nothing, no shock there. And my mom, I said to her, I said, you know, you know as well as I do what happened the first time. And my mom looked me in the eye and said, it's okay, don't worry, he's been cured. I said, wow, so it's a disease, I gotcha, okay, good. I wonder what kind of medication he was given. So my mom stardom to her was her deity. And the golden couple were going to be back, America's sweethearts. So that's where she went and never looked back. Upon hearing of their reunion, the public was ecstatic. Professor of English and Director of Film and Media Studies at Rider University, Cynthia Lucia, explains. When in 19, I think it was 72, Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood got back together. It was that sense of, well, they always had been in love. They were probably too young when they married the first time to make it work. And now that they're older and more mature, hopefully everything will work out for them. <laughs> Just months into being officially back together, Natalie and RJ were remarried on their 60-foot luxury yacht, The Splendor. Ironically, this would be the same boat that Natalie was last seen alive on the night she died, nine years later. Sister Lana was there. It was uh, on board the boat. And um, our half-sister from San Francisco and her husband came and uh, their three boys and uh, Natalie's therapist and um, it was a crowded boat. The second wedding, uh, Natalie seemed outwardly happy, but she also seemed more resigned to this is what her life is and this is what she's accepting. Perhaps that's a better word. Perhaps acceptance is a better word. Um, and then after the ceremony, um, we were all asked to leave, and they sailed off into the sunset. Just seeing that we wanted to marry each other the first time. And the second time, when we got back together, it, uh, it just seemed inevitable. I mean, it seemed that, that all the, the questions that we had in our own minds as to whether we had romanticized or idealized the past relationship, mm -hmm. which we both had done to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But when we got together, the reality of us together was better than what we'd idealized in a way, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it just seemed like an inevitable thing to do. Both Natalie and RJ rarely worked for a few years and prioritised spending time with the family. Here she is on the Rex Reed Show, explaining her choice to stay home. 
I think everybody, it's no secret, I'm not announcing anything, everybody knows you and RJ married a second time, so yeah. obviously you, you went back and did it until you got it right, so you must believe in marriage. <laughs> right. But, I believe in marriage to RJ. Yeah, right. I don't know if I would have gotten married if I hadn't been lucky enough to meet him again, you know. Well, well maybe you, uh, maybe you should have stuck together right from the beginning, I mean. Maybe, but then who knows, I mean. Who knows? We went through a lot of... We went through some painful years during the time we were apart. And so maybe it's just as well we didn't inflict our pain on each other. Yeah. Some other poor people got the brunt of it. So Me? did you begin to think at that point that maybe the career was not the most important thing in, in your life? Well, I, I, I went through a little period of love-hate with work. You know, I hate this, I love this, I'm not going to do it, the hell with it. And then I, then I did have... I got married and I had my, my children, and I do think that it's important to, um, at least I couldn't have worked when they were tiny babies. I didn't want to be away from them. I could barely go out and have a lunch date, you know. I just wanted yeah. to think about what they were doing, being with them. And I think that's important when they're babies. But eventually, things began to change around the Wagner home. Hollywood historian Scott Hoover explains. What's interesting is how their positions in Hollywood had sort of switched. Robert would have a movie in the 60s like Pink Panther or Harper that would get him some good notices and you'd think that maybe he was going to, you know, get his movie career back on track, but never quite took hold. Finally, he did what anybody at that time would do if their movie career wasn't quite happening as he saw an open door in television. In 1979, RJ landed the television role that made him a true household name and brought him the most amount of fame he would ever have. Rebecca Sullivan is a professor of film and media at the University of Calgary. She explains. So Robert Wagner was a child of Hollywood um, and very much enamored with the old Hollywood studio system. But he really found his niche in television. And of course, at the time, television was quite denigrated. You know, it was the lesser other to cinematic stardom. But Wagner was a natural for television, and I think that we have to um, really recognize and respect that. He was in Switch and, of course, Heart to Heart. And while these weren't groundbreaking or experimental or challenging in any way, they were solid entertainment. And he really fit that that medium to a T. To the public, at least, Natalie had always been the biggest star. But with her career on hiatus and RJ's catching fire, with his hit TV show Heart to Heart, their dynamic had changed. Eventually, Natalie began to feel restless. Natalie always wanted to be working. She loved her craft. She loved the craft part of it more than the glitzy part. Her heroes were people who were serious actors, um, who had gone to classes, who had some depth. It wasn't the glossy people. She didn't make friends with the glossy people. Um, She didn't look up to those type of actors. Um, I know that um, she was getting worried about not being offered all the roles that she wanted. Natalie was itching to return to work, and eventually she received a script that she believed had great potential to revive her career. Her co-star, none other 
than Christopher Walken. Brainstorm on paper looked like the film that would put Natalie Wood back on top. Um, the uh, director was young, hot, and uh, upcoming, a lot of positive buzz. Uh, Christopher Walken, of course, young, hot, and upcoming, a lot of buzz. And I know she really admired Chris Walken. She would go on and on about his acting ability and how he perceives a role and the things that he's done. And she was very impressed by Chris Walken. Sadly, it seems that not everyone was excited about Natalie's new project. At this point, RJ was now also a big star and a household name. How would he react to his wife leaving home for a movie set on the other side of the country and opposite one of Hollywood's most captivating leading men? She was working with Christopher Walken, who was hot off of winning an Oscar and was, you know, the toast of the town in Hollywood at the time. He was, he'd proven that he was a very charismatic and intense actor and he was having his moment at that point in time. And everybody that worked on the film has, you know, commented on the chemistry that they saw happening, um, even when the cameras weren't rolling between Natalie and Chris. Um, but it's also known that his wife was on the set with him the entire time, and it was unlikely that anything actually came of it. Robert Wagner was certainly worried about it and had taken to kind of keeping tabs on what was going on. He visited the set and was concerned. RJ's jealous streak was back. Not only was his wife on the verge of overshadowing his television career with a potential cinematic hit, but she was working with one of Hollywood's hottest young actors. And the similarities between this moment and the time Natalie starred with Warren Beatty are quite striking. Back then, RJ had become irrationally jealous of Warren Beatty, to the point of sitting outside his home with a gun. Would Wagner's jealousy over her new co-star, Christopher Walken, take him to an even darker place? On the next Fatal Voyage... The jealousy started to build so much that Thursday night that Natalie couldn't take it any longer. I mean, he was acting so crazy. It was just so totally uncalled for. She was petrified. And before it got out of control, Natalie says, Dennis, she says, you know, can you take me ashore? I can't be on this boat. I wanted to quickly thank all of our listeners for subscribing and helping to catapult this series to the top of the charts. We couldn't be more grateful for your support and please make sure to let us know what you think by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. These comments help us continue to shine a bright light on Natalie's life and her death. And a reminder, new episodes drop every Friday and there's so much more to come. Fatal Voyage is executive produced and hosted by me, Dylan Howard, and American Media Incorporated. Executive producers also include Kelly Garner and Carolina Saavedra from Treefort. Editing, scoring, and original music by Tom Monaghan. Additional editing by Eva Reistad. The series is mixed and engineered by Stephen Cologne. Make sure to subscribe to Fatal Voyage on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.